Hey guys, my name is Dan. Welcome to the Dan Everett Podcast. This podcast is aimed at encouraging you in life, leadership, faith, and more. Please hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast to keep up to date. Today, here's a one-off episode for you to listen to. to be here. I love uh, Sundays when we gather as a church, and it's so exciting, isn't it? One church in four locations. And maybe we ask the question, why do we do that? Well, I'll tell you what, we're not about spreading the name of Destiny Church. We're not about spreading our own personal names. We are about spreading and telling people about Jesus. That is what we're all about. Amen? And so it's so exciting to be here and so exciting to see what God is doing. If you missed last week, we are back in a series called Jesus Is, looking at John's Gospel. We're going to be continuing that today. Last week, I got the privilege to go to the Hearts versus Hibs game, the Edinburgh football derby. And it was my first time across it at Tynecastle. And if you've ever been to a football derby match, it can be quite a heated battle. And some... Some of the language that was used was interesting, maybe colorful, shall we say. And something that I realized, and maybe this is some career advice for you today, is that if you're considering a career in football, you will need thick skin. There was many metaphorical rocks being thrown at the referees, at the linesmen, at players on both sides. Maybe there would be some actual rocks thrown if there were some there. The passage that we're looking at today is in John chapter 10. And Jesus is facing a situation where rocks could be thrown at him. So I would love to pray for us. And then we're going to look at John chapter 10, verse 22. Father, I thank you that you are here. Thank you for being able to take time to worship you. God, we believe that you are here and you want to speak to us, God. Jesus, you are king. You are reigning. God, we pray our locations today, right across the city. We pray for the South Launch today. God, we ask that you would move in their midst, God. You would bring people to know you, God. You would establish a church in that area. Lord, we pray for our Leith and North venues as well. God, save people. God, hear. Speak to people today, God. You know exactly where we all are at today. Some of us know you. Some of us don't yet know you. Some of us are having good times. Some of us are having hard times, God. Lord, I thank you through it all, God, you are with us and that you know us and you want to make yourself known today to us. So Jesus, we pray this in your name. Speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. John chapter 10, let me read from verse 22 to 42. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered round him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. 
Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Let let me show you. These aren't stones that are little pebbles. These are stones that are like rocks. And what they would do with people that they thought were blaspheming was that they would knock them off the edge of a cliff like this one. And if the fall didn't kill them, they would drop rocks on them. That's brutal. And that's what they wanted to do to Jesus. Take these rocks and stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, is it not written in your law, I have said you are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy when I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed, and, the people, and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed the sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. This takes place in Solomon's colonnade, in the temple in Jerusalem. And this is where the rabbis of the Jewish people would talk and they would teach the people. And last week, if you remember, a week ago, sometimes that is difficult, especially for me. Actually, we looked at Jesus is the good shepherd, how his followers are his sheep and he protects them and he guides them and he loves them and he knows them. And today we are looking at a continuation of this. A phrase that Jesus uses. He says that I and the Father are one. That Jesus is one with the Father. This would have been absolutely revolutionary for the listeners. See what Jesus is doing. Jesus is calling the Jewish people to revise their understanding of who God is. When Jesus is saying that he is one with the Father, Jesus is claiming equality and unity with God himself, Yahweh, God in human flesh, fully God, fully man. For us, this isn't a new subject for us as a church. Right at the back, right at the back, right at the beginning of John's gospel, uh, we looked at this verse in John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God and the word was God. It's good news because we don't need to make Jesus great again. 
Jesus is already great. And so the Jews, we see, have a problem with this. And so we're going to look at three ways that Jesus reveals himself as one with the Father. Firstly, in his relationship with his followers, then through scripture, and then by his life. And then we'll conclude by looking at three responses of the people. So first of all, Jesus is one with the Father. He reveals this in his relationship with his followers. So we're going to look at three, three things about his relationships with his true followers. First of all, they are called by name. Verse 25 to 27 says that Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus refers to his followers as sheep. And that's not particularly complimentary. Sheep are stupid. They walk all over the place. But what Jesus is saying is that Jesus is saying, my sheep are God's sheep. True followers of God follow Jesus. That's what he's saying. Wow. What a statement. He's saying those that, that don't follow me follow Jesus. They don't actually follow God. To follow Jesus, it means that we put our trust, we believe in him. We put our trust for our whole life in his hands. Not just simply, yeah, I think this Jesus guy existed, or he even that he exists, exists today, or maybe that he taught some nice principles to live by that Jesus is the way to know the Father, to be in relationship with him. And for the sheep, Jesus says this about them, I know them. And that is such good news. See, Jesus knows his sheep. He knows you. He knows the, the good and the bad and the ugly sides of our lives. So you can come to church and you can hide from people at church. You can hide from people at work. You can even hide from members of your family but you cannot hide from God. He knows you by name. He has chosen you. And that is great news. Who here likes to receive gifts? Oh, some people. Okay, well, the rest of you don't get anything. But you might have noticed this week that there was a lot of chocolates going about. A lot of flowers? Don't know what that was about. But many of us like to receive gifts. But even better news is that those who follow Jesus have been given the greatest gift. An amazing gift that beats all other gifts. They have received eternal life. John 10 verse 28. I give them eternal life, says Jesus. And they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is the one who gives eternal life. That is such a bold statement. And the Jews knew what he was saying. Who could possibly give eternal life? Who could forgive sin? Who could be the savior and the hope for mankind? Only God. People don't seem to have a problem with Jesus being a good man or a good teacher. The problem that some people have with Jesus is that he claims to be God. Because if he was a good man, you can ignore him. But if he's God, that changes everything. You're no longer able to ignore him. 
affects your life today? Many people believe that Jesus is maybe, yeah, okay, one of many gods, or he was a, a great prophet, a great teacher. And for many people, it's not that offensive to say that God saves. We sort of have that construct, that idea that God can save. But what it is offensive is to say that only Jesus saves. And that's what the Jewish leaders had a problem with. Jesus is the only one that you can receive eternal life from. But eternal life is a gift which cannot be earned. We can't notch up a whole bunch of religious brownie points trying to do good works. I've been to church five times this year already. Aren't I great? I've been reading my Bible every single day. I've been praying the right things. These things can't earn your way to eternal life. These, these things can't earn you heaven. It can only be given by the good shepherd, Jesus. And if you follow Jesus today, you have some awesome news. That this eternal life, the tense that is used in here is not the future tense, but it's also the present tense. His sheep have already entered eternal life. Eternity doesn't begin when you die. It begins now. That's awesome. And so the one who can give eternal life is also the one who can make you eternally secure. In verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I'm sure many of us have got mobile phones. Yeah? Or smartphones. And quite often with these, we uh, get a contract with them. You can get monthly rolling contracts. You can get 12-month, 18-month, 24-month contracts. Yeah? But the, the thing is that when we see a better offer, we go back to our company and say, hey, I've got a better offer elsewhere. What can you do for me? And sometimes they'll try and match it. Sometimes they won't. And so you just move on to the next one. But when Jesus commits, he commits. 100%. He's in. His sheep are his possession. And so because of that, because he's not going to change his mind in a month's time, he's not going to change his mind next year or when you mess up again, he's not going to change his mind. He is committed. He is faithful. You see, does that mean for us that we can just live whatever way that we want, whatever suits us best? No. His sheep desire to follow the shepherd. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Sheep will follow the shepherd. We will do it, even if it is completely imperfectly. And when we fail, when we get stuck in the mud, Jesus will lift us back up and set us back on the right track. No one is able to snatch us, not even ourselves, out of Jesus' hand. So did you know that the very hands that create this universe, the very hands that made everything, knows everything, who is completely faithful, the one who is full of mercy, full of grace, is love himself, the one who holds the whole of time, is the very same one who holds you 
in his hands. You are in the Father's hand and you are in the Son's hand. So secure. I am eternally secure. I know where I'm going. Does your mind ever race when you're trying to get to sleep? You're so tired and you get to bed and suddenly your mind's like, hey. And all the worries of life and all the concerns of life uh, are, are totally in your mind and you can't get to sleep. You know what? We get to count our blessings, not just count our problems. Let's give thanks to him that we are secure eternally, now and in the future, in his hands. If we think that we've got our hold on Jesus, in reality, he's got his hands on you. He is holding you. Last year, we did a series called Life is a Roller Coaster. And during that series, I got to share on one of the messages about depression, which is something that's been part of my life, a struggle, a challenge, a battle in my life for probably about the last 10 years or so. And if you know or you know somebody that's gone through that, you know that sometimes it can be really dark, really tough. And so something that I've learned through that is that sometimes I've felt completely abandoned. That sometimes it's just simply impossible to hold on to Jesus. But he has been so faithful to me. And so no matter what happens, I know that Jesus has got me. Sometimes we can feel abandoned. We can feel let down. But true faith isn't built on feelings. True faith is built on Jesus, who he is. And he's made this covenant with you. You will not be abandoned. You will not be forgotten. Jesus can't lose you or forget about you. He is with you. So Jesus reveals that he is one with the Father through his relationships with his followers. That they are called by name, that they have been chosen. They have received, been given eternal life and are eternally secure. So the next one, he is revealed that he is one with the Father through scripture. John 10, verse 31 to 36. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus answered them, Is, not, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the Father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? So Jesus quotes a psalm and let's be honest, it's a bit of a weird one. It's quite obscure, it's a bit out there. It's Psalm 82 and verse 6 written by a guy called Asaph. And he's not a big hitter of the Old Testament. He's not Moses or King David or Isaiah. But this is what verse 6 says. I said, you are God, you are all sons of the Most High. And just for clarification, in case, in case we get the wrong idea, the words gods here doesn't necessarily mean actually they're divine. 
that actually means that they're called to represent God and be the judges of his people. And Jesus is saying, well, if this title could be given to these people, how much more could he claim the title that he is the Son of God? And that might not be completely relevant to us, or where our understanding's at, but the Jewish rabbis would have totally understood what he meant. So let's take a step back and look at the whole Bible for a moment. We believe that the Bible is God's word, every single part of it, even the obscure parts, even the stuff that we don't quite understand, even the stuff that we may, if we're honest, not really agree with. But Jesus affirms the absolute trustworthiness of the whole of written scripture. All scripture, the whole Bible is important. We don't get to pick and choose. You know, I'll say, I'll, I'll enjoy and I'll take on what God says about his love and his grace, but I'm not going to let him say anything about my love life. Mm-mm. I'm not going to say how, how I, I do my budget. I'm not going to say how I'm going to spend my time. I'm not going to let him decide that. I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy the love that I can get from God. But Jesus is saying, don't pick and choose. Take the whole scripture. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, Paul's writing to Timothy and says that all Scripture is God-breathed. All of it matters. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so when Jesus faces opposition, Jesus turns to Scripture. And this isn't the first time that he's done that. Do you remember back, Jesus tempted for 40 days in the desert, And his first response to every time he's tempted is from Scripture. See, the Word was already in him before the temptation came along. Before the challenges hit, before he faced accusations, before it was a tough season. And if we look back at verse 22, we see that the season, the timing of this conversation with the Jewish leaders and people was that it was winter. And winter often represents to us spiritually of a dry season, a tough season. And so winter is often a time where hibernation occurs for many in the animal kingdom, as well as many students. But before it becomes winter, bears and squirrels, what do they do? They they gather food, they gather everything that they need for the season ahead the things that need, they need to keep them alive in the cold and dark season. And so must we, in whatever season we find ourselves in, gathering good, solid spiritual food. Be part of a small group. Don't wait until it's a tough time. Meditate, read, look at God's word, the Bible. Learn to pray and worship. Listen to good sermons and podcasts. Do it now so that you know how to respond when it's a tough time, when the winter comes. Because Jesus reveals himself as one with the Father through his relationship with his followers, through the backing of Scripture, and also by his life. Verse 37 to 39. Do not believe me unless I do the works of my Father. For if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that, they, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. What's Jesus saying? He's saying, look at the evidence of my life. Have I sinned? 
Look at the, the signs and the wonders before you. These things reveal his identity, who he is. Jesus has been set aside, sent by God. And God sent him to come and heal and the sick. He came to cast out demons. He came to love people and show compassion for people. But do you know the ultimate reason why Jesus came? Was that one day, a few months after this passage, that he went to the cross. That he died. God sent him. And Jesus followed through with the ultimate action plan. That Jesus went to the cross. Nails went through his hands and his feet. That for hours he, he was in agony. And he died. He was mocked. He was abused. And he faced death itself. Why would God implement such a plan for his life? Because he loves you. Because he loves Edinburgh. Because he loves the north of Edinburgh and the south of Edinburgh and Leith and Gorgie and the whole of the city and this nation and this world. That is why. That is why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he lived a sin-free life, a perfect life, the life that we could not live. We couldn't get close to God. We couldn't live up to his standards. And so Jesus showed it by his life, his death, and the way that he lived, that he is God. And so these are three ways that Jesus reveals himself as one with the Father. His relationship with his followers, through scripture, and through his life. So then we see three responses from the people. You guys still with me? Good. The first response is this. Unbelief. In verse 24, the Jews who were gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. They weren't interested in an answer. They had already made up their minds about who Jesus is, and they were looking for a way to accuse him. They were looking for a way to get rid of him. They were simply refusing to admit that Jesus was any more than a man. And so we see them asking this question, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Maybe a better translation could be, how long are you going to annoy us? See, they had this this pretended zeal for God. But you know what? They were really looking out for themselves, their own popularity, their own status in society. And they had this attitude in them, a hostile one towards Jesus. There was plenty of evidence for them that he was the Messiah. And Jesus is pointing out the stubbornness of their heart. And when stubbornness of heart gets pointed out, <laughs> nobody likes getting found out, shall we say. And so the evidence is not the problem. It's the heart and the attitude towards Jesus. Their intentions appeared good. Blaspheming is not a good thing. And if Jesus is blaspheming, then that's bad. But he wasn't. But their motives were totally rotten. See, people show who they are, not by what they say, but by what they do. Actions always speak louder than words. And we see that very quickly. The Jews, they pick up the rocks. They pick up the stones. Rather than walking and talking it through with Jesus. 
See, the, the evidence is simply clear. But they simply refuse to let Jesus be the Lord of their life. And so they accuse Jesus of blasphemy. That he makes himself God. But that is precisely what Jesus is not here for. He was not man trying to become God. He was God become man. And so maybe Jesus didn't live up to their expectations. It was a, a funny season and time of the, the Jewish calendar. And this might have been on their minds as they were thinking about the Messiah. In verse 22, we see that... Uh, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. I was thinking about that. And this isn't a festival or a feast that was introduced by Moses and in the law. This feast of dedication is maybe more commonly known as Hanukkah, often occurring in December. See, several centuries before Jesus, there was a Syrian king and they came and they overran Jerusalem. And they ruined the Jewish temple. They forced the Jews to abandon their sacrifices and adopt pagan rituals. But there was a bunch of freedom fighters from the Jewish people, the Maccabees. And they overthrew the Syrian rule. And what they did was that they rededicated the temple to God. And that's where the name comes from. This feast was a significant, meaningful event in Jewish history. And so like the Jews dedicated the temple to God, God has dedicated Jesus he has set him apart for all eternity. Jesus is the one whom the Father has dedicated from all eternity as the meeting place of God and humanity. The sanctuary in and through whom the living God may be approached and worshipped. And so maybe the Jews were expecting a Maccabean rebel to come and overthrow the Roman rule. But that's not how Jesus came. So they rejected him in their hearts. So one of the responses was of unbelief. Secondly, one of the responses was this. They, they picked up rocks. It says in verse 31 and then verse 39, again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. So if you reach for stones, if you're carrying stones, you cannot, with the same hand, reach for Jesus. You can't hold on to rocks and cling on to Jesus at the same time. It is not possible. And our human reaction is to, to throw rocks when we're hurt, when we're feeling resentful, when we're disappointed. See, criticism and judgmentalism can't go in the same hand as Jesus. This week, I was walking by the canal. It's a lovely place to get out of here to get some peace and quiet. Is anyone here a dog owner? A few people. Okay. I love you. But I'm really, really sorry. I don't love your dog. <laughs> and so I'm not, shall we say, a fan of dogs. And that's maybe some issues I need to work through. And so I was walking along the canal this week and I saw a lady with her dog. And she was talking to the dog. And I need to do some 
confession. Is that okay? Is that, that's good for the soul, isn't it? So, um, so she was talking to this pug, and I had two reactions, two thoughts at the same time. One was good. One <laughs> was carrying a rock, I think. And let me tell you, you can work out which one's which. So my first reaction probably was, as she was talking to the dog, how stupid. It's an animal. Why would you talk to a dog? So that was my first reaction. And then very quickly I had a second reaction. Wow, that's God's provision. Companionship, company. What a gift. Can you see that the two reactions are slightly different? Okay, just being honest with you. I'm not perfect in any way. But sometimes we are carrying rocks. Which reaction is one where the rock is being carried? A reaction. And so if we're all honest, we've probably all had a rock or two in our, our hands at times. And so it's easy for us to say, hey, I'm, I'm not an accuser. I'm not a, a rock thrower. But it's in our attitudes. It's in our spirit. It's so easy to pick up stones and rocks. And you know what? We can even do this with God. I know I have. Maybe like the Jews, Jesus hasn't always met your expectations. And we're ready to throw rocks, ready to throw accusations at God. Hey God, you haven't provided for me. You said you would. God, where is my healing? And you know what? It's good to ask these questions. It's good. You know what? Sometimes those questions become an attitude, a spirit in us. That actually we're ready. Hey God, I'm ready with my help. I mean, just for some of us, we're carrying rocks around. God, you can't tell me what to do. You can't instruct me in my dating. You can't instruct me in how I should have my attitude and honor people at work. You can't do that. You can't tell me how to love my wife, how to love my kids, how to love my husband. That's my responsibility. That's not yours, God. You can't tell me what to do. What do we need to let go of? See, Jesus isn't going to settle for second in your life. See, if you've got a rock, an attitude in your hands like this, Jesus needs to receive your two hands. And if you've got a rock in your hand, you're not going to be able to receive him in the fullest extent. We try to hold on to these things and reach for Jesus. It doesn't work. And so what we need to do is that we need to we need to change our posture. In Romans 5, verse 17, I'll read this to us. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, then how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ? How do you receive a present? by holding a rock and trying to get hold of the present. It's by putting the rock down and receiving. Who are we to bring our accusations to God? So maybe some of us are heavy in our hearts. Burdens. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, talking about his relationship with the Father, that all things have been committed to me by my Father. No
No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so what we do is this. We bring and we give these rocks to Jesus. The things that are heavy on our hearts. And as we do that, we can experience and we do experience the love of the Father. So let's leave the accusations, the resentment in our hearts, the frustration, the disappointment, the things of life, whatever you're holding in your hands, come and leave them at the foot of the cross. And that's going to be a decision that you need to take. Maybe it's a hard decision, and I'm sure for many of us it will be. But you know what? Continue to make that decision. It may take time for your thoughts and all your feelings to catch up. And so at the end of this, after we've prayed together, we're going to have time of worship. And as we're having a time of worship, there is space at the front. And if you want to take a, a step, uh, God, I'm going to come and lay something down before you. Come down to the front. Lay it before him. And you might not like coming out of your seat or being doing that in front of people, but this is between you and God. And sometimes the physical act of doing something really gets it ingrained into our spirit and our But you know what? Jesus isn't into rock throwing. This wasn't the last rock that Jesus ever faced. You see, we talked about how Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus' body was taken to a garden. And in that garden, there was a tomb. And Jesus' body was laid in the tomb. And what they did is that they got a big rock, a boulder to come and be put in front of the tomb's entrance. But you know what? That rock couldn't hold Jesus back. See, on the third day, on Sunday morning, God raised Jesus to life again. We believe in the cross and the death of Jesus, but we also believe in the life and the resurrection of Jesus. And we can bring all our rocks to him because he's already removed the big rock. He's defeated sin in our lives. He has defeated Satan. He has defeated death itself. That is amazing news. Come on. God is so good. So Jesus didn't let these rocks that the Jewish people had in their hands stop him. And he didn't let that big rock in front of his tomb stop him either. And so we just see this last, very last link. Um, response from the Jewish people. Let me read the verses, 40 to 42. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptized in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. He said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And in that place, many believed in Jesus. And so there was also a great response from the people. The few rejected him, but the many received him. 
And so sometimes we face challenges and rejections of people who want to hear about Jesus in our lives. But you know what? There are many people that want to receive. There are many people ready. They have their hands open. And they're ready to receive. Let's, let's pray together. Let's respond to God as just now. If you want to bow your heads, close your eyes, whatever you want to do, just do that just now. And let's just take a couple of minutes to respond. What's your response today? Jesus has made some outrageous claims that he is God, that he is one with the Father. He faced rocks and attitudes. How do you respond to him? Do you respond to him with unbelief? I'm just going to refuse to accept that. Do you respond with accusations like, God, you've let me down. You've done this. You've done that. Or do you respond with receiving? What's your response today? Let's take a minute or two to pray back your response. The guys are going to start leading us in worship and music, but... As well, I'm also aware that maybe today you're here and this is maybe your first time, maybe you've come before, but yet you've never received Jesus. You've never taken that step across that line, okay? I'm going to trust him. I'm going to believe in him. I'm going to be secure. I'm going to receive that eternal life. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. And so today, if you're saying, okay, yeah, I'm in with both hands, then I would love to pray a prayer, a simple prayer. As I do that, why don't you use it as your prayer to God? As everybody else is responding in their own way, why don't you respond in your way? If you're thinking, yes, okay, I want to follow Jesus. I don't have my life together, but I accept him for who he says he is. And so this is the prayer. You could pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am full of sin. I'm broken. But I also recognize that Jesus, you forgive me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you were raised to life again. Thank you that today I receive eternal life. Help me to live for you every day of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening in to this one-off episode of the Dan Everett podcast. To keep up to date with all the latest episodes, I'd love it if you're able to subscribe on your podcast player, share it with your friends on social media, or leave a review on iTunes. I'd also love to connect on Instagram and Twitter. My username is at DanEverett90. That's all for now. Talk to you soon.